Good morning and welcome to the Automation Morning Show for Thursday, August 24th, 2023. My name is Sean Tierney from the Automation Blog and School, and this is the show where we talk about what's new and happening in industrial automation. I hope your morning is off to a great start and uh, that you're going to have a great day today. But first, let's go ahead and take a look at what's happening, what's new and happening in industrial automation. And we're going to start off by thanking our sponsor who makes this show actually possible, right? Who pays to keep the lights on so we can actually film this show. And that is, this week, theautomationschool.com. If you know anybody who needs PLC, HMI, or SCADA training, please send them over to theautomationschool.com. From there, let's take a look at our first press release here. And I thought this was pretty interesting. Rockwell Automation is going to build a hydroponic farm inside of its headquarters on the fourth floor in the Milwaukee building, you know, the one with the clock tower. As a matter of fact, I think they're going to name it the clock tower uh, farm. But in any case, uh, this is going to be 7,300 square feet of hydroponic vertical farms. So it's uh, estimated to have 540,000 plants and it's going to have over 149,000 pounds of food that it will produce annually. And uh, that's equivalent to about three acres. And um, very interesting, very, very interesting project. Um, I hope they, they video the whole thing. And from a technical side, not just from, um, you know, like a com consumer side, but from like, this is going to be highly automated. And those of us who work in automation, who program PLCs and create HMI screens and whatnot, we want to know the details. So hopefully they'll, they'll film a documentary while they're doing this about that and not say, well, everything we're doing is, you know, intellectual property and we can't share any details because that wouldn't be no fun. But in any case, I want to congratulate uh, Rockwell on uh, announcing this project. It'll be very interesting. It's supposed to be done by the summer 2024. You know, I, I when it's done, I would love to go see it just to maybe get a, like a technical tour like they used to do at Universal Studios that, uh, you know, the technical behind the scenes tour. But in any case, uh, very interesting stuff. We have another a really interesting uh, press release this morning from Opto22. Um, this was just, I, I mean, just kind of blows me away. A very, very exciting press release. Their Groove Remote I.O. products, right? They have just released firmware 3.5. And this adds real-time control to the I.O. Now, you, you may be thinking, isn't all remote I.O. real-time? Yeah, but that's not what they're saying here. Um, what they're actually doing is with version 3.5 firmware, you can turn your, your Groove Remote I.O. into controllers, right? Into CPUs, into uh, devices that can run CodeSys, that you can use the CodeSys, the free CodeSys uh, development environment and IEC 611.31-3 languages to actually control things, to do control. And so very interesting stuff. Um, just think, you know, this previously was just a block of I.O. And now it can actually be a PLC or a PAC, depending on how you want to look at it. But uh, so very interesting and exciting that they would add this feature after the fact to their remote I.O. Um, they talk about other things, too, you know, and, and uh, how their, um, uh, what was it? It's a Spock Plug 3.0 compliant now and other things. But just congratulations to Opto22. Um, this is a big release, pretty exciting. I'd love to get somebody on the show to talk about these products and, and what this means, but uh, congratulations to them. Also over at Automation Direct, they just announced the release of their new ProSense programmable temperature transmitters. Now, a lot of the big vendors already have temperature transmitters, 
but um, you know it's great to see another uh, option out there on the market and uh, I actually was trading uh, emails with another person from Automation Direct trying to get somebody to come on the show to bring us up to speed on their uh, well I, I like to start with the PLC products PLC HMI uh, SCADA VFD um, then you know sensors and whatnot but um, you know we want to control it we want to cover everything that's in your panel right we want to cover motor controllers we want to cover even things like terminal blocks and, and other things because a lot of stuff is you know it, the, the, there's a lot of innovation going on with every product inside the electrical panel so we want to cover it all so in any case but i like i'm a plc guy i like to start with the plc but uh in any case so that was from automation direct and then we go over to a new or updated product from banner and uh, this is a very cool product and we've talked about these before this is the latest version of their r45c now this is a dual analog input output converter and uh, i'll just use this uh this uh, image to talk about it so let's say you have an analog output in the field and it's going to your control system your plc or whatever but let's say you also want to share that information on dashboard but you don't want to maybe it's in the cloud and you don't want to expose your entire control system to the internet right or have to get an expensive firewall or all the things you would have to do to, to, to expose that value to maybe a cloud-based dashboard so what you can do with these banner devices and we've talked about this on our shows before is this will actually bring in the analog input and then send it back out so you don't lose anything there but then it has a separate put that sends the data out via rs45 via modbus and you can send it to one of their industrial controllers which can aggregate it and send it up to the cloud so you have this separate network which is a read-only network that can populate your cloud dashboards without having to you know let anybody access your you know your your highly protected in most cases control system right so very interesting stuff and i thought this would be a good point to um just uh, review some of the episodes we've had them on of course we're always talking to them about having them back on i think the latest product we're talking about is a safety controller which is very cool um but let's go ahead and take a look at so snap signal we talk a lot about what i just talked about with the r45c in the sla uh, snap single <laughs> snap sing i was doing so good snap sing signal uh i'm just gonna move on um a podcast that was p94 and then um, in P115, we talked about their smarter machine lighting and indication. Very cool products here. They, I mean, some of the things that uh, you can do with these, uh, the latest generation of uh, lighting products is very impressive. And then um, we talked about eight advantages of IO-Link and their IO-Link portfolio and some of the cool things they can do there that are very unique in the industry in episode 131. So uh, Ben has been great to work with, love working with those guys, great company. And uh, those are three episodes you might want to catch up on if you haven't seen them already or listened to them already. Uh, from there, we go over to our featured product of today. Today, we're featuring a product bundle from the automationschool.com, our sponsor. This includes our, the, their PanelView Plus Level 1 and VUSE Level 1 courses. Neither of those courses have an extended or Level 2 edition. Um, the VUSE one's, I think, 12 or 13 or 14 hours. Very in-depth. Lots of files you can download, you know, if you're having problems creating the screens. I think... The, I'm pretty sure the files are also available in version 8 of USE. So if you're using an older version, you can still do the labs and optional exercises. But in any case, this is uh, at a disk. And I recently had somebody reach out to me and said, Hey, Sean, I got the PanelView Plus course. Now I want to get the VUSE course. And of course, I also offer them a discount. doesn't matter how long ago. I mean, we've been around for 10 years. But if you bought the PanelView Plus course when it first came out and you want to get the VUSE course, of course, we're going to give you a discount because it's available in a bundle. And we don't want you to have any regret that you didn't buy the bundle originally because 
to be honest with you, there was no bundle originally. The Panel View Plus course came out before the VOC course. So in any case, uh, any existing students out there, if you're looking to move to another course or to a bundle, just reach out to me and uh, we'll get you some special pricing. From there, we go over to an article from Grace where they're detailing their, their panel mount um, access ports here. They call it their panel interface connectors. And they have so many different versions of this. Here we're seeing on the screen is one that has a duplex receptacle. It looks like GFCI. We have a couple of USB ports. We have an Ethernet port. Um, some of the other ones we see here have, um, you, know, uh, you know, a different combination of those. One has a reset. So I'm assuming that would be, or maybe it's an on-off switch. I can't, it's kind of small. This one over here has a scan port, port, which is um, the older Allen Bradley drives use those. I don't know if they still use them, but they did use them. I mean, in essence, they have over 15,000 different combinations you can do. You don't have to get a GFCI dual, you know, duplex outlet. You can just get a single output without GFCI. I mean, you could do multiple Ethernets if you wanted to. Maybe you had a, a SCADA network and a, or a, a MES network and a IO network. So um, they just have tons of options, and this is, article really lays it out. The article is entitled, How Panel Interface Connectors Transform Industrial Safety. All right, from there we go over to an article from Linmont. Not a very long article, but the point of this article really is to get a, a, across the dangers of having products in your production that aren't certified for the application. For instance, this article is entitled, ISO 4 Cleansing, Cleanliness Quality with our lin linear modules. So I know I kind of muffed that, right? But basically what they're saying is their products have been uh, certified to be safe to use in medical and food applications. So you're not gonna get any type of um, you know, contamination in the food or in the uh, medicine. And very important, the, the article goes into more depth that if you wanna know more, definitely please read the article. But I thought it was interesting and I wanted to share it with you it's always good to know that, you know, what products are certified for what. From there, we go over to a new article from Copia, and it's titled, Manageable Modernization Starts with Smart Source Control. And this article really talks about, you know, how a lot of companies are looking at, you know, cost optimizations, but a lot less are looking at digital transformation. And some of the concerns there are, you know, it's a money pit, right? It's just going to go on and on forever. And also... You know, do they actually have the expertise to do this, right? And uh, nobody wants to pay a consultant millions of dollars just to tell them, you know, to do something they probably could have figured out on their own, right? So they do a great job of talking about what has happened in the IT world and how they went to Git-based source control and how, you know, they have teams on different projects and how they've implemented these professional uh, strategies for development. And they talk about how, you know, it's time, it really is time for the industrial automation space to adopt some of these best practices that have been proven uh, over the last 20 years. And so that's what the article talks about. Of course, Copia has been on the show many times talking about their Git-based source control for automation devices, including PLCs, as well as their device link, which does the automatic uh, upload and compare to let you know if there's any differences. And uh, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, you may want to check out this article. From there, we go over to the Association for Manufacturing Technology, AMT. And I thought this was an excellent article about turning data into information. And there's some great examples in here, which really just sound, sound like examples from my own experience being in the field. And it really talks about how if you take on the challenge 
that just take all that raw data you have. Maybe you have a historian, maybe you have data logs and a SCADA system. Maybe you just have a bunch of smart devices that you've got networked together, but you never look at any of the data from them. If you take on the challenge of turning that raw data into usable information, that it can do wonders for your bottom line, do wonders for product quality, and so on. And he gives some really good examples in here of different situations where they, they prevented a breakdown, also where they've improved uptime, just by taking the data they already had and turning it into useful information. Anybody who does SCADA knows all about this, right? Because that's what SCADA does, right? You're designing screens to try to give people useful information. So in any case, I, I thought it was a good article. I wanted to recommend it, especially if you're trying to lobby somebody in your company to take this topic seriously. From there, we go over to an article um, from SME. This is the Society for Manufacturing Engineers. And this article is about uh, collaborating with robots. And, and I really think it's for anybody who has a, like a fear or a concern of bring, you know, working with robots or in, in using robots in manufacturing. And I don't think there's a lot of people that fall into that category, to be quite honest with you. But you know, you never know. You could run somebody into management who has a, a robotic bias. Maybe they saw Blade Runner, Terminator, or The Matrix, and they're like, no, AI bad. But in any case, um, you know, we've talked about this before. AI is such an such a incorrect term to use for what we have today. Machine learning is a lot better, but even that is kind of not really what's happening there, right? Um, somebody once, it was actually a retired colonel recently said that, um, you know, what we have are better algorithms, right? And, and it is so true, right? So a lot of us very technical people understand that these are just better and better, just like voice, like voice recognition, right? So back in the day, I got the uh, naturally, Dragon naturally speaking for my PC and it did a horrible job. Well, it was 90% accurate, which is not that good. If you're driving down the road and you're trying to dictate a letter, 90% means lots of rework, right? So, you know, fast forward to, you know, uh, a decade ago, Alexa and Siri, much better, right? Now, fast forward today, every time I upload a video on Vimeo or YouTube, it gets automatic closed captions and they're really good, right? Sometimes they spell my name wrong, but that's to be expected because there's so many ways of spelling it. But um, even with my Northeastern accent, they still get almost everything right. So you can see the algorithms for voice recognition have just got better and better and better. And of course, they're doing it on high-end servers now. They're not trying to do it on a low-end PC. But um, that's what AI is to me. It's just better and better algorithms. And, uh, you know, they're a lot of people don't realize this. I had one person, I was on vacation, they're like, well, so-and-so doesn't train their AI. It's self-learning. It's, self it's like, so I looked up so-and-so's AI. It's not self-learning. It was trained using millions and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of investment training the algorithm what's right and what's wrong. So in any case, I'll get off my soapbox. So I thought it was an interesting article. I wanted to share it with you. Collaborating with robots from SME. They also had another article. Now, this was uh, a guest, guest written by somebody from Rockwell Automation, and it's entitled Managing Cybersecurity Risk in Digital Environments. And it, I don't know why they didn't put robots somewhere in that title, because they talk a lot about robots in this article. But in any case, it, it talks about cybersecurity risks, and it talks about, and I wanted to highlight this with you, it is a pretty beefy article. Nothing really new here that we haven't read in previous articles. But again, if you're trying to put a case together for management to implement cybersecurity, you know, the more, uh, uh, the more ammunition, the more information you have to provide them, the better, right? But I did want to go over what they consider their best practices. And one, number one, identify all the products you have on the network. Anything that can be networked, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, hard, you know, hardwired Ethernet, you got to identify all of it. 
you know, what it is, you know, rev, series, all that. Number two, protect. You got to install safeguards to make sure that nobody can access these devices that aren't authorized to. Number three, detect. And this is where a lot of people kind of fall down. They don't have any way to detect an intrusion, right? And within, with detection, you also need a, a response plan, right? So we've covered this on the show before. And then finally, recovery. What's your recovery plan? I remember when I was going through a Windows Server training in the late 90s, early 2000s, getting my certification for Windows Server. Um, one of the things they'll tell you is you have to, you know, a backup plan, right? To back up your data, not only do you have to back it up, but you need to take it off site. So if there's a fire at your facility, right? And the, all the computers burn, you know, melt, then you need to be able to get the data back. You can buy new computers, but if you don't have your data, you're, you're typically will go out of business. They say most companies that lose their data go out of business. And so we know this from the PLC side, right? If you have a very large, complicated PLC program for a very large and complicated machine, and the program gets lost and the company is defunct, almost always you can't use that machine or it costs you millions to really rewrite the code from scratch. And it's very painful. I've seen that happen many times and it is one of the most painful things I've seen in this business. So I can definitely agree with those uh, top five, um, what they're calling the top five best practices for manufacturing environments. So with that, we'll go over to... Um, the videos for today and uh, yesterday, last night around 3.30, I released podcast 168, right? This is our product and technology show, the automation podcast. And uh, I had guest uh, Alan Cohn on from Siemens, who is the WinCC expert here in the Americas for, uh, for Siemens on this product line. And he went through everything that comes in the base package and all the different options they have, all the different drivers, like, you know, what, what drivers do you get for free when you buy WinCC version 8? They also, he also talked about, you know, taking it from a single station to a multi-server, multi-client system. And also talked about, you know, all the add-ons like cloud connections, MQTT, all that great stuff. So if you're interested in SCADA products, we've done Factory Talk Review with Rockwell this year. We, uh, late, I think it was late last year, we did uh, Inductive with the uh, Ignition, hoping to get them back on to do a little bit more uh, uh, detailed technical uh, dive on the product. And now we've done uh, Siemens WinCC. We really want to cover every, all the major skater players and, and minor players out there too, because our job is to bring you information. And uh, I thought this was, I learned so much from, the, from, this, uh, from this episode. So uh, if you're interested, check it out. It's podcast 168, just came out this week. From there, we go over to Opto 22, back to Opto 22. And this is uh, the next video in their excellent series. This one is about Groove Manage Ignition. Okay, so a lot of people don't know, on the Groove Epic, you can actually run uh, Ignition SCADA software, SCADA HMI software. You can also run Ignition Edge 2, which is the free version. Um, there's some limitations on that, but uh, in any case, that's the next in their series. And from there, we have one event I wanted to highlight, and this is by the folks over at Grace. This is Driving Success in Manufacturing and Automotive Industries with the Grace Sense Predictive Maintenance System. So if you're look, interested in um, predictive maintenance or condition monitoring, this might be a great event to uh, watch. This is an online event. It's Tuesday, August 29th at 11 a.m. Eastern. And of course, this link and all the links will be at automate.news later today. From there, we go over to update software and firmware updates. And I only found one of interest, and it's for the Cymatic, the Siemens S7-1500 software controller. So if you're using that device, be aware there is an update for it. You can see here they're listing version 3.0 and version 
uh, to 21.9.7 to be precise. So in any case, you'll find that there. And then for our new documentation, we had a few from Siemens to do with their industrial wireless LAN. So they had a few different manuals on the Scalance W700. They had the configuration manual. They had the um, web-based management manual. I think let's go back to the previous one. That was the command line interface manual. And then they had the web-based management manual. So you're going to configure it one of two ways, right? And then they also had um, new manuals, operating instructions on the WXM766, 763. And they also had a new manual on the configuration manual for the Cymatic IDENT, RFID sensors, so our system. So if you're using those, you may want to check that out. From the, and finally, for Siemens, they also, a lot of manuals from Siemens today, they also had uh, a new brochure catalog for their uh, transducers, the Simis T. Um, so that's available now too. Over on the Rockwell site, they did fix the link for that product I was telling you earlier in the week where the link wasn't working. Um, typically never see that. But in any case, this is the manual for the Quick Stick 150. Every time I read that, I think of the uh, SLC uh, 150 and 100. People used to always call us up and say, hey, I got a Slick 50 or I got a Slick 150. And uh, Slick 50, be, of course, that's that you're leaving out the one. It makes a big difference. There was no SLC 50 um, that I know of. No, there never was. So in any case, it just brings a smile to my face. I got uh, a brand new uh, up there in the corner there. Uh, one of the reasons I have a brand spanking never been used before, um, a Slick 100, is that was the first PLC I learned on. Not that particular one, but it was the first PLC I ever programmed. You know, in college we programmed microprocessors and everything, but that was the first actual proper PLC I ever programmed. But uh, in any case, so I wanted to share that. Um, in, in our other science and technology, not necessarily related, related to industrial automation, but in this case, maybe manufacturing, was this video, this is the latest humanoid robot from Aptronic, and it's named the Apollo. And um, this makes me think, now, and I'd love to get your opinion on this, this makes me think we're getting very close to the point where we'll have, actually have humanoid-style robots helping people in, well, in this case, warehouses. So this particular unit, five feet, eight feet tall, runs for four hours, and you can swap out the battery. So you could, you, you could at lunchtime swap out the battery and have this thing run all day, right? Or, or an entire shift. And here we see one of these humanoid robots unloading boxes from a, um, from a trailer, and the, like a semi-trailer, and uh, the other is loading them onto a pallet. And here we see one actually picking up a, a, a bin of parts out of a machine through a caged opening and then placing them on a, a, a vehicle. Now... I don't think this is CG, but could it be CG? Is this real or is this is this Memorex, right? So I don't know, but here we see a, a, a robot picking from a shelf in a warehouse. I, I don't think these are CG, especially since the robot's moving kind of slowly. I mean, I would have to turn this robot up to three times the speed to really get it to, to compete with, uh, you know, just the average human being, right? But in any case, if if this is real, and I'd love to get your opinion on it, I think it has to be real, right? But if it uh, if it is real, um, I really think that means that soon, right? And soon, maybe the next 10 years. I hate to be the person who uses soon and then say next 10 years, right? So in the in the fairly near future, um, we could start seeing these, these type of humanoid robots in our facilities. Do you think that's crazy or do you think it's going to happen? I'd love to know. You can let me know by...
sending me in your thoughts uh, using the submit news tip link at theautomationblog.com or automate.news. Um, I love talking about these type of uh, high-tech and futuristic stuffs, as you probably can tell. And uh, so uh, please uh, send in your thoughts. If you want to remain an anonymous, just say it right here. I would like to remain anonymous and uh, send in your thoughts. With that, I do want to thank uh, our sponsor, theautomationschool.com, who made this episode possible. And if you know anybody who needs PLC, HMI, or SCADA training, please mention theautomationschool.com to them. And from there, we go over to automation.locals.com. If you want to follow us, you can do it for free. If you want to join our community and support the show, you can do so for just one cup of coffee a month, starting at one cup of coffee a month. Yeah, there are some people who do more than that, you know, three, four, or five cups of coffee a month. And I want to thank them. Um, we've been talking a lot about remote, remote access to PLCs. It kind of given me some ideas from some episodes of maybe the automation show I could film. But in any case, um, uh, the website, again, is for our community is automation.locals.com. Also, just a quick reminder, if you want to pick up some of our content collections and support the site and show, you can do so over at theautomationblog.com forward slash tab. And we have coffee cups, t-shirts, and more over at theautomationblog.com forward slash shop. And with that, just another reminder, every single link that I have mentioned in the last 91 or 90 or 91 episodes, we're coming up on episode 100 soon. That's pretty amazing. I got to figure out what day that's going to be because that's going to be a big moment, at least for the show anyways, hitting episode 100. Um, but in any case, every single link we've covered in every single episode is at automate.news. No www.no.com, just automate.news. And uh, you can see all the links from yesterday. As I say every day, you know, after the show and after I edit and upload to all the other destinations, of course, we're live right now. But most people watch after the fact. Um, um, I come in here and I put in all the links and I try to put them in the order in which I cover them so that you'll see that there. And you can filter by type. So if you're just looking for events, you can do that. Um, and eventually you will be able to filter by vendors, but uh, not there yet. In any case, what that brings us to the end of the show. So I want to thank you all for watching. I want to wish you all an awesome day. I hope you have a healthy safe and very happy day and everything goes great for you at work and at home and uh, just again thank you for tuning in and watching the show you know if you're still watching please consider giving us a like and a sub because that really helps us reach more people and find more vendors to uh, get interested in sponsoring the show and with that i want to wish you again an awesome day stay safe stay happy stay healthy and until next time my friends peace